Like the show on Netflix, it's Wednesday, December the 14th, a day that which we learned the San Francisco Giants, who lost out on the uh, Aaron Judge sweepstakes, signed a 29-year-old Carlos Correa to a 13-year contract. It's freaking madness out there, but that's what we're here to talk about. This is Market Call. It is 1 p.m. on the East Coast. In just a few minutes, Carter Braxton Worth will be joining us. This Market Call, Dan, brought to you by our sponsor and data provider, FactSet, financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. I'm powered um, by the notion that in 49 minutes or so, or whatever it is, 59 minutes, JP is going to be talking. JP, you? you mean Jay Powell, as the kids call him? Jerome. Jay Powell. I think, you know, you know what's really funny, guy? I think you are liking Jay Powell more and more. Now, granted, off a very low base, yeah, low I think base. you've often said that you have nothing personal against the guy. It maybe has something to do with the job in which he has taken over, the hubris in which the people who do that job conduct themselves, right? Okay. But you know what? Maybe, just maybe, they nail a soft landing after yeah. one of the biggest like economic disconnects the world has seen in a hundred years. You know what I mean? And maybe you may start to like the guy because you've often said back in 2018 when he took the job in defiance of the president who actually nominated for the job, he started doing the thing that you had been begging for years and years to do, normalize interest rates. And he started doing it. Where he lost your respect was when he blinked in the yes. Q4 of 2018, right? When he flinched. And yes, listen, since this time last year, I've I've been a fan. I've said it you know, about time they're getting on the right track. And yeah. I think, listen, seriously, I think they've done a very good job of basically outlining what their plans are, how the market interprets it's up to the market. But I mean, I think he's been extraordinarily clear. And we're going to listen. It's not going to be about um, the statement. It's going to be about the Q&A, in my opinion. Yeah. The statement is what it is. It's the way he answers what are going to be pretty obvious questions on the back end. And we'll see how the market reacts. But Carter's going to come in in a few minutes and discuss it as well. But before we even start, what are you wearing? That looks, is it like you and your next Johnny Cash iteration? No, this is, it, it looks like one of those kind of sweaters that, um, you know, maybe the guy, uh, you know, like in the, what was it, the Hunt for Red October? Like, Oh, like, I like oh, that, Ramius. Like, yeah, that like would be wearing. And, and it's really funny because, you know, you and I were talking, you were like, what, what are you wearing? And I said, you know, it's kind of like a naval sort of thing. And then I often and put on top of this today when I left the house, very cold in New York City today. It's like 39 degrees. I put on a bomber jacket. And what did I start singing to you? I started singing in the Navy, right? Like, like I, I don't know. I just felt like. like, a, like I love that. that. Mikhail's jam. Navy, by the way, was a great sitcom back in the day. By the way, Absolute Beginner just yeah. came out here on the, on the YouTube and said, Bitcoin is saying Powell will be dovish i only mention that because literally dan 20 minutes yeah. ago we had a conference call for fast money and i said bitcoin is trading as if powell's going to be dovish so we'll see if that holds uh yeah. we'll see if that holds any water as they say but that is a good look for you yeah no it's good um you know i'll just say this that our friend david rosenberg at rosenberg research we know him as rosie he's been on our on the tape podcast on many occasions a couple of good tweets this morning you know listen i i know that you know like he was i was in the same camp as him i'm not an economist i'm just some dumb trader who'd like to yak about the markets and in the economy on uh live streaming things like this on cnbc and our podcast and the such but i was definitely in that transitory camp i just thought it was like so funny that so many people that make their living like talking you know, about the economy and in smarter ways than let's say you and I could do. They really got into the weeds about like the duration, like what, what are the semantics of the word transitory or whatever? And again, 
black swan event, unusually easy monetary policy, trillions and trillions of dollars, you know, kind of thrown at it by central banks globally here. Of course, inflation was going to happen. You've been saying that inflation has been higher than what we measure for, you know, decades, you know what I mean? But we just, you know, choose to do it this way. We had that spike. Of course, it was going to be transitory. He was in that camp. You know, right now, I mean, Rosie's saying, man, by mid next year, we could be back towards, even though it's not, I guess, registered the way in which you and I might might think it makes sense mathematically back towards those pre-pandemic levels. So again, you know what I mean? Like maybe the Fed's done what they were set to do here. And maybe we do kind of nail some sort of soft landing in 2023 yeah. guy. Look, I mean, if things are linear, then he's correct, Rosie. Then, you know, if things are linear, in other words, they continue to move as if they're moving. Yeah. He's right. By that math, it makes sense. My pushback would be if they sort of signal that, the commodity markets will take their cue. I think you're going to see the next leg higher in commodities, which then just makes the inflation problem come back once again. By the way, this is pretty much what we saw back in 1972, 1973. I mentioned that because, A, I remember it, and B, Peter Bookvar wrote about it yesterday. So I yeah. think Jerome Powell's a student of this. And I think he understands you really got to crush inflation uh, or it will absolutely come back. So we'll, listen, that's why we talk yep. about this stuff. That's what makes, I have no freaking idea. I know, but I mean, guys, I just try the, to last, it out. the last bit of inflation that is really being pesky and persistent, as you've said, is wages, you know? Correct. I mean, and, and so we haven't seen that happen yet. And so, you know, listen, I, I'm of two minds of this. Um, you know, I, I still think that equities are overvalued. We had a nice conversation on Fast Money um, about, you know, kind of trough multiples, trough earnings. We have not gotten there, you know, even if the Fed chair says, listen, you know, we're going to, you know, 50 here and maybe it's he's not going to say 25 in Feb 1 and 25 in March, that sort of thing. But that's it. If he says what he said at Brookings two weeks ago and said, listen, the pace of increases is obviously going to slow, but the rate is going to stay bid here. OK, mm -hmm. like that's the thing that could weigh on corporate earnings. So looking at the S&P 500 and we've been looking at this chart and Carter's been looking at this chart and it looks poised like it's going to move one way or another, guy, we are going to have a break out of this downtrend, which we almost really kind of got about, we got above briefly yesterday morning, gave it back. But if any of the reasons why investors were selling into that, um, they have reason to do so again today in an hour, hour and a half or so, then we're breaking down below that uptrend, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. Something's going to happen. Something's got to give in the next couple of trading days. I think, it, I think it is that simple. And I think, listen, you think we break to the upside? Well, guess what? We're going to test those August highs, which I think were around 4,300. If you think he's going to be more hawkish than the market anticipates, guess what? We're going to break that uptrend line. And I think that sort of 3,400 level that we've talked about forever is in the crosshairs. Obviously not today, Yep. But that's what we're looking at. So I think today is the day where this pennant formation, which, again, the ranges have been smaller and smaller, finally breaks out one way or another. Obviously, the bulls are hoping for some dovish commentary. And listen, they very well may get it. Um, yep. But again, asset prices are part of this equation as well. And a rallying stock market hurts his cause, Dan, does not help it. And I think he understands that as well. No, and I agree with that. And, you know, just like that, you just mentioned that the, the, the tension is building in that S&P chart. When you look at the, um, you know, the 10-year yield here, we have that three and a half percent breakout level. We're kind of contending with that over the last week or so. And it's interesting that, you know, we hit three and a half percent on the, after that Brookings uh, sort of announcement where I think some people thought Fed Chair Powell was being dovish, it reversed it. But we're also right at that very steep 
steep downtrend. So something's got to give there. I just wanted to throw this up, guy. This is the chart of the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield. It's not a log chart here, but it's going back to 1999. You see that downtrend that we just blew through it. Mm -hmm. It was just a massive, massive spike here. And my view very simply is, is that we're going to probably retest that downtrend. You've been saying wow. three, three percent or so, but may, that makes sense, and it gets you right back in about two and a half percent or so, which would probably be the resting rate for the ten-year yield, given how much sovereign debt has been accumulated and the ability, really inability, for the Fed to meaningfully work that off. So, I mean, we'll ask Carter this question when he comes on. I'll try to answer it, and I'm curious as to your thoughts. So if that, in fact, does happen, and again, we, we're not suggesting it happens over the next week or so, but if we sort of trend back down to that downtrend line, do a back and fill in trader parlance, is that a good thing for equities or a bad thing? And under what set of circumstances is that happening? Um, I don't know. To me, it suggests a, a, a considerable slowdown in both economic growth and in earnings growth, which means by definition, the market should go lower. A lot of people will say, shit, if we get back to 2.5%, yeah. the market's going to party. I, 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 and again, I don't know the answer to that. But if that's an outcome, um, I think you got to really be focused on what's the cause of it. Like, why is it happening? So we'll see, Dan. Well, I mean, listen, I, I think in the near term, it's exactly what you just said. I think that we're going to have, you know, a base case scenario. This is what, you know, I think all of these risk assets are pricing is a recession here in the U.S. with a backdrop of a recessionary environment in Europe that's likely to be deeper and longer than ours. China, you know, you tell me when that gets back online. So I think it gets back there with the prospect of a global economy that's in a bit of a malaise. There is no rearing 20s here, people, not at least in the beginning, you know, few years of it um, or so. And the stock market probably retest those levels at some point back towards 3,400. Just to be really consistent, okay, you and I have said that it makes total sense for the S&P 500 to round trip the entire move back to those pre-pandemic highs in February 2020, 3,400. We almost got 3,491. You were in the camp that we probably overshoot. When we do get back down there, if there's a reason to do so, we could. Mike Wilson over at Morgan Stanley has suggested um, you know, his scenarios for 2023, and he sees a very strong likelihood of a retest of that. I don't know. He gave a wide range, right? 3,100 yeah. to kind of 3,300 or so. But again, I think we get back down there for the reasons of slowing growth, earnings recession, right? And, and we haven't had the sort of fear this year that I think makes investors say, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like they're just, look at these like 18, 19% rallies we've had off of lows. That doesn't speak to the sort of bear market that should be commensurate with a recession. No, and, and historically the rallies we've seen, you know, a couple times now this year, June into uh, August-ish and obviously October 14th, yeah into currently where we're trading. I mean, that is textbook um, bear market rally. I mean, we've seen it over and over again over the years we've been doing this. But again, it's such a fascinating day. I mean, think of the time of year. We're in the middle of December. I mean, I know a lot of people don't buy into the seasonality thing. Statistics bear that out. There's not a lot of credence to it, but a lot of people talk about that. So if you get, again, if you get some sort of hall pass today out of Jerome Powell during the Q&A, I, there's really no other catalyst to take the market down in the rest of the year. And I am not bullish, by the way. I'm just sort of throwing that out there. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, it's it really is an int This is one of those days, again, we talked about bookmark days. We talked about one yesterday when the market gave back pretty much the entire 120 or so S&P point rally. It did rally late in the day, but that's one of those days. Yeah. And today is going to be one of those days. There's no way that we look at the market right now. I'm just pulling it up. The, the S&P is up. 
23 handles. I mean, yep. it's it's going to be a multiple of that to the upside or the downside in about 45 minutes or so. Can't wait, guy. Can't, can't wait. wait. Isn't right. that who said that? That dopey linebacker from the Jets. Bart oh, Scott. I love that. Remember, they were saying it was the Eagles. Or no, can't the wait. Patriots. Can't wait. Yeah, um, and they lost right. like fifty-three to three. Let's do it because should have you know, waited. Our, Sorry, our friend Carter Braxtonworth. Okay, he's very generous with his time and, and his work wow, here. There, there he is, and he 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 got he has to listen to us squawk for a little bit. And 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 again, we appreciate your patience. Carter. Oh, well, us, all the love, all the love. Give us your take. And, and again, you know, I want to say one thing here. Um, Carter, if you are a subscriber to Worth Charting, you get his work um, every day in your inbox. You get his videos that he does, the ones that he does with us. He's on CNBC a heck of a lot. You know, Guy and I are doing this every day also. We are time-stamped, okay? And, and and again, you know, we reserve the right to change our mind on a short-term basis. I think all of us have been pretty steadfast about equities this year, about rates and what might happen after the Fed tops out or whatever. And I think we've been um, pretty decent Sherpas on a lot of this stuff. We've gotten the direction um, generally right on most of the big instruments that kind of dictate. And this is not me doing a victory lap. I've gotten plenty of things wrong in, in the intermediate term and that sort of thing. But we also recognize that a lot of our viewers, they're not day trading. We're not day trading anymore. You know, that sort of thing. So again, you know, what happens here, we got you this far as far as the S&P, as far as yields, as far as crude, as far as the dollar. I mean, Carter, you must feel pretty good directionally about a lot of these trades. How do you feel at this moment? You just saw, you know, and again, those are lines that we drew in the S&P, that little, you know, it, the tensions building there, the tensions building in the yields. We just saw crude bounce off a level that you you thought in your charts, have you been saying over the last couple of months, would get to, it seems like we're ready for a big move. And again, it might be contrary to where we've thought from a macro standpoint, things could go, but doesn't it feel like something's about to happen here? Yeah. I mean, obviously, and we have uh, sort of news releases, whether it's government data or government officials speaking and thinking or giving insight into their own thinking for the future that move markets. I suppose at the end of the day, though, we we just have a circumstance that is fairly remarkable. We have, a, as you referred to, a once in a hundred year event. We had a pandemic, a force majeure, that act of God, a plague, and we crashed. And then we had call it a government-induced recovery, but it wasn't just a recovery. It was a violent ricochet and, and a doubling and tripling of certain assets. And then we had a massive drawdown this year, real deal. And so here we sit having ricocheted back a certain amount. And in many ways, one could say that the whole market is a pair of twos, right? Which is to say, kind of rates maybe belong here at uh, 10 year. Um, and the curve is still very steep. So there's information there that gold has come to life, having been dormant for you, that the stocks are kind of where they belong. At the end of the day, and it's really not about what happens in the next 11 sessions, will next year be a, a good or bad year for equities? And while no one knows, my thinking is that... Uh, it can only do three things. This part we do know, up, down, or sideways. And the trick here is to eliminate the lowest odds scenario. And I think up, big up is the low odds scenario. So we just chop and do nothing with a lot of volatility, or we work lower. I think that captures 90% of the odds. Well, I think that we're going to we're going to know the the end game of that, and then again in the next hour or so. And I happen to agree with you. And you know, the, what we try to do is talk about things uh, a priori as opposed to a posteriori for you Jesuit educated people out there. With that said, CBW, um, this is one you've really had a good done a great job. We can go to Tesla, but look at Carl Q putting out some tweets. I love when Carl gets all giddy on the Twitter, and this is a time of year he puts his little hat on. 
This is Morgan Stanley, and Adam Jonas is sort of the axe in the space, and he's talking about um, things not going all that well for EV makers. Um, we'll see. I mean, I know you yeah. have some thoughts on that, Dan. You've been extraordinarily vociferous in some of the things you've said, but the autos seem to be under pressure here, and I think this this Adam Jonas note is not helping. Yeah, well, it's, it's just interesting, and again, you know um, – we started the year and Carter, you love to think about narratives. I know that qualitative judgments don't make them into your charts and into the, the thought process here. I, I, I love tracking this sort of stuff. I love tracking, you know, fundamental sentiment around stories. And, you know, I think that a lot of investors had Tesla or at least, you know, people who look at growth and people who look at, you know, innovative technology as their top pick for 2022. Okay. And, and, you know, it literally has acted like dog shit. If you cool. think about how much the S&P has rallied in the last month and a half and how much this stock has been down. And it is squarely focused on the fundamentals and the leadership of this company, right? So it's interesting that Adam Jonas has Tesla as its top pick for 2023. And that might be a great top pick because this stock doesn't feel like it's, it's having an easy time finding a bottom here. And if you have a stock that closes down 70% with the sort of following that it does with the secular tailwinds that it also does, it might be a great pick for 2023. Um, the jury's still out here but you did some work on the autos in general last night carter we had mark fields he's the former ceo of ford on on cnbc's fast money and it's interesting he seems to be a guy he's got a good beat on tesla you yeah. know what i mean like i just it was a really good conversation he didn't seem to be an elon hater but no. he seemed very practical about what's coming for the space in general and so that's why just to tie a bow on this thing you know Adam Jonas is saying Tesla's my top pick for 2023, but I see lower EV demand for the whole space. Carter, what are the charts telling you? Because right now, the only things that we really care about, Tesla, Ford, and GM. Right. So, I mean, look, this is, uh, it's, it's the other side of the mountain, right? And we see this so often, a great ascent that ultimately unwinds. And the question is, have we unwound enough, right? Uh, we have some charts, I suspect. And what, what what you could see, of course, is, I mean, how many stocks, and not many, well, plenty of stocks move to that magnitude, but they're penny stocks. Nobody, very rarely, if ever, moves from what you see here is $15 to almost 450 And so the question is, what is that pattern? Well, let's put in some lines. There's a well-defined trend line. Now, let's annotate that. Let's put in some arrows. It bounced to the penny, to the penny, and then once it undercut, that's called a break in trend. It undercut and it's never looked back. Let's put some more annotations. It has all the elements of a head and shoulders. Something discussed many times all over the street. Anyone with whose eyes are working can see that. Um, let's put in some more lines. We're just now breaking. Um, well, this is not support. It's a level from which the stock really surged in 2020. So one could say, are we into support? Okay. But there's no, there's no reference point here. Um, you're down 50 plus percent from the high, Tesla can go lower. Now, at some point, sure, one could say it's oversold, but making a, and I, again, I, I just to make it very clear, I did this at, at, at the highest levels as a fundamental analyst on Wall Street, sell side, you know, II ranked big firms. I do not think it's doable. So regardless of Adam Jonas's expertise, I think that's just finger in the wind. I Listen, you know I agree with you, number one, in terms of where Tesla's headed. Let me ask you this, though, and this is a bit of a leading question. The uh, opposing lawyer would say, I object, Your Honor, but I'll ask it anyway. What does that mean for the broader market? Because I would submit, along with Apple, Tesla is sort of that market sentiment stock. Any thoughts on that, CB? 
Um, yes, a couple of things. It, it obviously, its market cap is considerably smaller now, and it's it's a fifth of Tesla's uh, than Apple, right? Apple, Tesla's much smaller now. But it's, it, it, I don't think it quite ever got the sponsorship, right, that a Microsoft, despite its size, and Apple and Google have or had. So, Carter, what does it mean to you also, and I kind of referenced this, I mean, the fact that the stock has had such a bad, let's call it two months in the face of the S&P rallying as aggressively it did. And, you know, two months ago, this was the fifth largest or sixth largest stock in the S&P 500, you know, and you, you this was a, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot. It's like the market can't bottom until some of these cult stories get taken out to the woodshed. And that's clearly happened here. But to your technical work, it feels like it could go much lower. Do you sometimes assign the fact that this is really obviously the fundamental um, backdrop has to be a big influence in this relative underperformance? Or does that not matter to you whatsoever? Well, if you think about it, right, it, it, there, there's, you've never heard it. We never have. There was perfect equilibrium today, no shares traded. So yeah. in any given day, right, if a stock is trading at 20, the best bid's 20 and the best offer is 20.05 and no one budges, you will have no volume. The reason that doesn't happen is someone comes in, fine, I'll pay 20.05, fine, I'll sell it at 20 and you break the equilibrium. The point is there's constant selling pressure here. People are re, they're willing to sell it down. My God, it's down again. Fine. Just sell it. At some point you would think they would be exhausted. I'm not going to get rid of my task layer. Fine. I've been beaten up, but I'm not, but still there are sellers. It just doesn't feel as though all those who want to get out have gotten out. I tell you, you bring stuff with you that I didn't know existed. And this is one of them, the Bloomberg global Auto Manufacturers Index. I mean, look at this sucker, because this is not trading particularly well either. No. Speak to this. Yeah, well, I mean, now, to be fair, you can see the weighting, and Tesla's a big influence on that, which caused that breakout. But Toyota's no small uh, thing, and nor is GM and Ford, and there's about 40 others in there, and all the names you can know from Kia, Nissan, and Honda, and it goes on and on. Um, Hyundai. So the, the, the question is, it's optically a very clear pattern. Does it have to be completely resolved um, all the way down to support? No, but it sure looks like it's headed there. Yeah, well, let's, I mean, these are our charts here, Carter, GM and Ford. And, um, you know, it's interesting when you think about, guy, the, 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 the rally that Ford had into the new year, you know, it was making new multi-year highs or so. Um, you know, our young man, our friend Steven, who's still working on his right hand yeah, he on, needs on the lax field, he's gotten pretty pretty decent with these lines, you know, just watching the market call and listen to us squawk about them a little bit here, but tensions building here. And, um, you know, I, it's also interesting, Carter, you know, that, you know, a couple months ago, we didn't make a new low from the spring lows here. Do you like GM and Ford here? Um, you, you know, I saw in that other index that you just had their low single digits weighting to that. So they're not even big players here, but the charts look pretty similar here. I'm just curious how these things are lining up for 2023. Yeah, my hunch is that this is also uh, the circumstance, otherwise known as a pair of twos. It's a low probability hand as a short two, as a long. It's just why do we have to, any of us, individually or collectively, make a bet? Whereas we yeah. see more developmental action out of other areas within consumers, certain restaurants, uh, certain apparel, certain um, home builders. Yes, this just feels lackluster, dull, uninspiring. Listen, I don't know if, Jacob, we can do this on the fly, but if you look at Ford, GM is the same thing, by the way, but if you look at Ford and do like a 15-year chart, I mean, here we are at a level that we basically were trading at a decade and a half or so ago, which is remarkable. Now, yes, we've seen rallies and troughs along the way, but on a market that has done extraordinarily well over that period of time, Ford's absolutely done 
nothing for you, which I find to be fascinating in probably the best era for car manufacturers in the history of car manufacturers. And look, that chart really says it all, CBW. So you talk about a pair of twos. This is more like two seven offsuit. It really is. I mean, <laughs> tough. One. All right. Well, let's hit something else here, guys. And this is just kind of a one-off thing. And I wanted to kind of get Carter's take on this. And obviously, Guy, I wanted to get your fundamental take on this. You know, SoFi is um, a sponsor of uh, uh, Market Call, Liz Young, who works there as head strategist, good friend of ours. She can't talk about single stocks. She can't talk about her stock. She's going to be on with us tomorrow. But, you know, I, I'm long the stock. I bought some, you know, not too long ago. Um, you know, Anthony Noto, the CEO of the company who was actually on our podcast on the tape with Guy and me last month, I would think it was great, great conversation, great guy. Um, and I think, you know, pretty good operator here. The stock went public via SPAC, I think a year and a half ago um, or so, but it's, you know, acts like a lot of companies that went public over the last couple of years, down 70% of the year or so. But he bought $5 million um, of, of stock in the open market. He owns 5 million shares. I'm looking at the holders. He's probably got, you know, options for a lot more. Curious guy, when you see a headline like that, open market purchase, he's yep. basically, you know, journaling over money from his bank account, you know, or or his SoFi account and buying the stock and then they put the release. Does that, from just a psychological standpoint, does that help try to put a floor in a stock trading near a 52-week low down 75%? I don't remember exactly when it was, but I will tell you that Jamie Dimon announced he was buying back, uh, J- he was personally buying J.P. Morgan stock, and I think J.P. Morgan announced the stock buyback as well. And that was the bottom for the foreseeable future and probably was the bottom since then, quite frankly. I only bring it up because when people of that magnitude bet on themselves, which is effectively what Anthony's doing here, I mean, I think you're okay to sort of go along with him. It doesn't mean his timing is going to be right, but he clearly is betting on the future of the company. So I, I, I like that. And I sort of do like the setup here. I'm, to your point, they are a sponsor. So I'm biased, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong. Yeah, Carter. I, 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 I was on air that night. I think you were too. And we had a breaking news, Jamie Diamond. Yeah. And it was uh, $5 million worth of stock. I remember that. And that was, that set the low, man. It went on fire in the night market and so forth. Um, now, this is a different matter. <laughs> yeah. It's not JP Morgan. And uh, whoever this man might be, and I've never met him, he is not Jamie Diamond. Um, so <laughs> we have a different circumstance altogether. Um, but what we know is look, this company loses money. Right, it loses hundreds of million dollars a year. At some point, it might turn, um, but the, if the pattern's not turned yet, it's not a, a bearish to bullish reversal, and the income statement hasn't turned yet. Well, let's just wait. Fair that enough. reminded me of the Dan Quayle vice presidential debate, if you recall. Yes, I knew was, John F. Kennedy, and sir, you were no John F. Kennedy. Did, anyway, did he say Jack you, Kennedy though? Yeah, did Jack, he say? Right, he right, might, right, okay, yeah, no, I apologize. Kennedy, but I just, yeah. you know, hey, you know what? I, you know what, Carter? I, I have a little dream of my my shareholding in SoFi here. I think someday, you know, you might see Jamie Diamond's J.P. Morgan buy a well, SoFi, and, and then he will be the heir apparent. Wow. That would there be Anthony go. Noto. So, so I will continue to buy this one here unless there's something just really fundamental that seems to miss and any, any guidance towards profitability will be the sort of thing that actually yeah. helps put this stock a bottom in. All right, guys, let's just get hit this really quickly. Um, I don't know if this got much attention earlier in the week, Oracle reported Monday. Um, decent results, decent guidance here. Stocks had a huge run um, off of the lows. You know, maybe that uptrend's okay. Maybe it's not Carter um, thoughts fundamentally here because Microsoft has also had a huge rally, 22% outperforming, well outperforming the NASDAQ in the S and P off the low. 
lows. I think we have a chart there. And also the IGV, which is an ETF that tracks um, a lot of these names here. Just curious, Guy, fundamentally how you're thinking about some of these names. You get a piece of fundamental um you know, research uh, or as fundamental data on Oracle's guidance. If you believe it, you can extrapolate a little bit and you look at this IGV and it's breaking out above that downtrend for one year. So love your fundamental take first guy and then Carter on the technical. So breaking out, yes, but you're still contending with the 200 day moving average, which will probably touch up to and fail at. I go back to the Microsoft chart because it's going to look somewhat similar in terms of where we should go to. I mean, that downtrend line is intact, probably with time erosion comes in around 272 or thereabouts. And yeah, you'll probably trade through the 200 day, but I think you're going to fail at the trend line. So Microsoft is still expensive. Oracle, if you can go to that chart real quick, completely different story in terms of valuation. It's a much cheaper stock. And I don't think the risk to the downside is as much, especially if you believe their guidance. So if you're asking me to choose which you clearly are, I like Oracle here ahead of Microsoft. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That means that car. You know what? You know what that answer means, guy. It means that we are at one twenty nine forty. Oh, Carter's Audi five thousand. Carter has a one thirty Zoom with that's not true. More important than you and me. But listen, Carter, we we appreciate you popping on, man. We appreciate all your color here. We appreciate you having to listen to our conversations about fundamentals, as you call them here. But um, thank you very much for being with us here today, my man. I love. I have this. I have a similar. sweater type thing that's i should have if i had known you were yeah, wearing it i wouldn't worn mine yeah i sent you the sent you the memo well we need Listen, some we need ch- some worth charting swag don't we guy we haven't, we haven't I, 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 you know yet. the shirt i'm gonna get a t-shirt made by the, by the <laughs> super 70s that, yeah. guys no emojis with hearts just charts cbw i'm just gonna go walking around times square with that on and see what happens but carter obviously thank you as always dan thank you as always most importantly we thank the audience, as always. Um, some interesting games coming up. Knicks Bulls in Chicago. Then guess what, Dan? Knicks Bulls in Chicago again. You never see that. Never. But what you will see tomorrow is EY from SoFi joining us for tomorrow's 1 o'clock market call. We got a big shindig with TRB on Friday. I got dogs barking here. I want to thank our sponsor and data provider, FactSet, financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. I'm powered by a bit of a nasal congestion situation, but hey, we're all dealing with something. See you later.